Ohio State's always there at the end of the calendar, and um, you can't you can't really forget about that. And uh, we're we're coming this year. All right, welcome into the first episode of Hail to the Podcast. I am one of your two hosts for this show, Brandon Justice from the Wolverine Lounge. Been covering the Wolverines. This is my fourth season uh, covering the beat, my fifth season writing about the Wolverines. Uh, you can find everything I have on the WolverineLounge.com, uh, as well as the boy joined by me, Daniel Dash, his first season on the beat. Daniel, welcome. Yep, uh, really excited to join the beat this year. Been working with the Wolverine Lounge since the spring, and uh, tough to believe that the season's here, but... We're right around the corner and excited to get started. As far as what this show will cover and how you can listen to it and when you can hear it, if you're if you're here, then you've figured half of that part out. You'll hear us every Friday morning, once per week, covering everything that happened during the week uh, from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday's press conferences, as well as any developments that we find out on from our inside intel on top of recruiting and some basketball as well. For the time being, we will focus on football, and this episode specifically will cover uh, the upcoming Middle Tennessee State game that's going on tomorrow night. As far as interacting with us, you can follow us on Twitter at hail to the pod. Uh, ask us any questions you have, you know, give yourself a chance to be featured on the show uh, and to answer some of your questions, uh, whether it's hard hitting, simple, easy, what beer I like, whatever you want to go with. Uh, so let's go right into our first segment of the day, which is three storylines that we think are going to define this Michigan Wolverine football season. You know, every year Jim Harbaugh has high expectations. Nothing is different about that this year. Uh, new offensive coordinator in Josh Gaddis. Uh, you lose Greg Madison, Al Washington to Ohio State, and and in comes some new coaches. In comes uh, you know a defense that's never had to reload as much as it has to reload this year with the loss of Rashawn Gary, uh, Devin Bush, Chase Winovich, David Long, the list goes on. Uh, you know, this team has the highest expectations, in my opinion, of any team since the 2016 team. And in the Jim Harbaugh era, I don't think a team has been really preseason hyped as far as being picked to win the Big Ten mm-hmm. uh, and as a college football playoff team by national pundits as much as this team has. Um, now, I don't think that there's as much chitter-chatter as there was in that first season that Jim Harbaugh had um, where it was like he was supposed to overnight make this team a national power mm-hmm. uh, or that 2016 season that also had an insane amount of hype. Uh, I think just the national media has quieted down on that because I don't think that they believe it's going to happen because they've been quote-unquote proven wrong before. Um, but regardless, you see many national pundits naming this Michigan team the favorite in the Big Ten East, naming this Michigan team a college football playoff team. Um, a lot of that due to the new offense. A lot of that due to the fact that Ohio State could be down this year. They only returned three starters on offense mm-hmm. uh, and, and some other things as well, a lot of variables always in college football. Um, but as far as three storylines go, let's break those down. Daniel, I'll let you name off your three first. I think the biggest one is coming directly from Tuscaloosa, and that is Josh Gaddis and his speed and space system. Going to be a lot of quick reads, a lot of RPOs, uh, a lot of reacting to really what the defense does and trying to put their weapons in open space. I think a, a big pillar of Gaddis's system is going to revolve around Shea Patterson, his mobility, being quick on his feet. I mean, you've seen his highlight tapes from high school, from Ole Miss. The guy can do it. He's comfortable on the run. He's comfortable in the pocket. He can move. Uh, with the RPO, there were some real signs of promise last year. They had some huge plays off the RPO. Uh, a lot of fans love when Shea keeps the ball, but I mean, 
he'll snap it back and grab it and throw it to a, a tight end coming across the middle just as easily. So, I mean, you're, you're going to miss the six foot eight Zach Gentry, but I think Eubanks and McKeon are going to be very viable options in the RPO this year. And then, I mean, you really got to utilize the speed that you have at the wide receiver core. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Tariq Black, Nico Collins, those are three potential NFL talents. You have Ronnie Bell in the slot, who everyone is raving about this preseason camp. He's come a really, really long way from last year. And you have Mikey Sanders still, so one of the fastest guys in the locker room already as just a frosh. So. Yeah, and the offense is it's the obvious storyline, but it's the correct one to bring up first. I mean, there really hasn't been a topic of discussion before Michigan football season as much as there has been about this offense. It's the first time since the Rich Rod era, RIP, that an offense for Michigan is going to be quote-unquote wide open, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the defense didn't really catch catch up to that offense in the Rich Rod era. Um, this one seems to have a lot more mm-hmm. of a chance to uh, complement the offense. Absolutely. Uh, so go ahead with your uh, second storyline. Uh, I think the second storyline is going to be the reloaded defense. I mean, when you lose Chase Winovich, Rashawn Gary, David Long, Tyree Kennel, Devin Bush, all in the same draft class, I mean, you're looking at a lot of open spaces the next year. I think we're going to see a, a pretty new defensive line. One of the guys who's going to slide in and make a massive impact immediately is Aiden Hutchinson. I know Brandon's a big quitty pay guy. Definitely a, a lot of good things going on there. Uh, Dwumfor and Carlo Kemp on the interior, they bring a lot to the table. I think at the linebacking core, it, it leaves a ton up to Gill. Uh, I think Ross is in for a big year. Uh, you've got Kalik Hudson at Viper. There's a lot to like, despite losing plenty in last year's draft class. And then in the secondary, that's uh, it's probably the biggest concern on the team right now, in my opinion. But there's definitely a, a chance for upside if some of these guys really come along. And Lavert Hill, uh, arguably the best player on this year's defense, is going to be there to anchor it down in the meantime while Ambry's out with colitis. It's been a, a tough battle for him, but they hope to have him back within the next month. And uh, I just think that with the amount of talent that's gone, it's going to be about reloading, retooling, rather than rebuilding. Yeah, a lot about being a national power in today's college football is that there should never be a question mark as to your unit dropping down any lower than maybe 20 to 25 spots in their respective uh, rankings, meaning you know your pass defense shouldn't go from 1st to 100th. It shouldn't go from mm-hmm. 20th to 60th. It should always hover around the t- the ones to the 45s. If your defense can hover around 1 to 45 and your offense can hover around 1 to 20 or vice versa, you're always going to put yourself in a position to succeed. I think that's a big storyline yeah. for this Michigan State team that we'll touch on in another episode, I'm sure, um, where their defense is so elite but their offense was so bad. Mm-hmm. You really have to find a middle ground between the two, and that Michigan defense this year, should the offense live up to the hype, is going to have to find that middle ground so that you can find that equal equal grounds for success. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, do you have a third storyline that you want to you touch on? Yeah, I think that the number one thing for this, this team this year, um, outside of the offense and, and outside of, of the defense reloading, is very specifically can an elite running back emerge and bring some balance to this offense. The speed mm-hmm. and space thing is going to be fantastic opening up because teams haven't seen it before. There's no film on it. Uh, it's going to be really hard to prepare for. They have the necessary weapons for it. 
but Michigan's going to have to find a way to make that RPO work with a running back that's going to make it dangerous. I think we saw a lot out of Christian Turner in that Peach Bowl game. I think True Wilson is the most technical sound in the room, but a name that's really sparked my eye over the past two weeks and really sparked my ear from sources is Zach Charbonnet, a guy who at this very moment on Thursday should be the RB1 going into Saturday. I think it's always going to be a committee, Mm -hmm. Um, but somebody from that room, whether it's True Wilson, whether it's Zach Charbonnet, whether it's True Will, um, I already said that, whether it's Christian right. Turner or somebody from that group is going to have to emerge because mm-hmm. if you look at teams in college football, you know, not everyone has a Saquon Barkley, not everyone has an Alvin Kamara. There aren't these elite running backs running the room, um, but there's always a running back like a, like a Travis Etienne, whose name I'm not pronouncing right, <laughs> that's going to do a lot for you and keep the pressure off of Trevor Lawrence and open up the passing game because they have to account for him on defense. Absolutely, uh, Michigan needs that in its running back position, and it's something that Karan Higdon gave you that last year, but the offensive passing uh, the scheme last year it reversed that role. So Michigan mm-hmm. could rely on his run game. It couldn't rely on his pass game um, just due to the scheme, again. So with this scheme, I think the passing game is going to be great for the first couple of weeks. But once people figure this out and they can hone in on covering the space at, to the best of their ability, mm-hmm. right, um, you're going to have to find a running back that's going to draw that attention away from Shea Patterson in the pass game. So, if you can, again, if you can find that balance, this team does have what it takes uh, on defense to, to hover around a top 25 defense and allow that offense to score 40 points a game and the defense can give up 20 and get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on from that, those are the storylines. If you guys have a storyline for us, go ahead and tweet us at Hail to the Pod. We'd, we'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Um, for our next segment, we're going to break down the depth chart. Um, you know, there's a lot of black and white in the depth chart this year, which is, you know, when you have a year where you return as much as Michigan does on offense – um, you know, things do turn black and white. Now, Runyon is still a little banged up, so I don't expect to see him on Saturday. There's just no reason to push him in a game like this, mm-hmm. uh, especially against the Middle Tennessee t- uh, State team that doesn't have a really fearsome defensive line. Um, they have some good linebackers, and, and I'm confident that their linebackers will bring some pressure. Um, however, I don't think that this is a strong enough test to push your starting left tackle enough to get hurt. Now, the injury isn't serious by any means. Like I said, just a little banged up. Expect to see Ryan Hayes in his spot. Ben Bredesen, obviously a captain, uh, a guy who has been outstanding in his career, completely lived up to the hype and then some. Uh, Cesar Ruiz, same sentiment. Michael Onwenu, who shaved some weight and should have a good year this year, uh, on top of Jalen Mayfield, a guy who, with Andrew Stuber out for the year with a torn ACL, mm-hmm. has to, quote-unquote, be that guy at the right tackle. He's yes. put on some weight. He's agile for that weight, and we should expect to see some great things out of him by all accounts. Um, when it comes to the offensive line, one guy stands out to me, um, and, and, and this guy is actually my breakout for the year, and that's Michael Onwenu. I think with the weight he's put on, if he can stay – I'm sorry, the weight that he's cut, if he can stay and, and get more agile and protect the passer while also pushing for the run, he's a key component to this offense. The RPO relies pretty heavily on a guard opening up those holes for mm-hmm. the running back to take off on the gives uh, on top of the keepers for Shea Patterson. Yeah. And you know, um, Bredesen's a sure thing to deliver that on the left side. Exactly. So if you can, and so is Caesar in the middle. Mm-hmm. If you can completely rely on those three guys in the interior, which they couldn't last year sometimes at points in time when Anwenu was, um, you know, here and there, like he was last year with the yeah. weight that he had when he was here and there. If they can rely on those three guys, the youth of your tackles takes the weight off of them a little bit, right? Um, so I think that's a huge component for this team is that interior offensive line. Um, as far as the receiver, this is what I'm hearing on that. I think it's, again, another, it seems black and white. 
chatter is so loud now, especially with social media. Obviously, Nico Collins and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones are great. I think you're going to see a lot more DPJ in the slot this year. Um, Josh Gaddis knows how to use his speed, knows how to use his athleticism, yep. and I think that's no secret. So I think you'll see him a lot more in the Z spot rather than just the X or the Y. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, please, lest we forget that Tariq Black is there, an Absolutely. enormous guy who has really sure hands and is eager to get out there and get started. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had so many setbacks. He was that first game of his, his career, he catches a 50-yard bomb from William yeah. Spade against Florida, mm-hmm. and then boom, for two years, he's more or less a for, mm-hmm. you know he's more or less forgotten. Mm-hmm. A so, lot of people forget that the first three weeks of his career, he led Michigan in yards, he led Michigan in receptions. He was on track for one of the best freshman years in program history for a wide receiver. And that's when the first foot fracture hit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, of course, last year before the Notre Dame game, even worse news as yep. the other one. Um, another name we're hearing a lot, and, and you mentioned this earlier, Ronnie Bell and, and Mikey Sanders still. Um, with Ronnie Bell, you're seeing him go from half basketball, half football to mm-hmm. full-on football. And he's really become a man when it comes to receiver. I think he always had the, I think he always had the athleticism. Now he's kind of getting the intangibles by learning the offense, mm-hmm. becoming a high more of a high IQ receiver. Right. This um, is a guy who won the team's offensive rookie of the year award last right. year when he was still getting acclimated to the sport. And that's high regard, not only from your from your peers, but from your coaches as well. Mm-hmm. And then Mikey Sanders, still goodness. I mean, if the if the spring game wasn't enough to convince you. He is not slow. He is very mm-hmm. fast. I know that it's so easy to compare a guy to, to Rondale more these days right. um, because, you know, he was the talk of everyone's town last year. Um, but Mikey Sanders still is as close as Michigan's going to get to that that they can. I mean, he is a lightning bolt mm-hmm. um, with, with sure hands and a fantastic route runner by all accounts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes a lot to be athletic, to be quick, and to have good hands. But it, it puts you at a next level to have all of those things and as well be a good route runner. Mm-hmm. And as, as an 18, 19-year-old, whatever he is as a freshman, a true mm-hmm. freshman coming into the University of Michigan, he already has those intangibles. Mm-hmm. Can you um, ask for a better toy if you're Josh Gaddis looking to build this scheme? Right. I mean, it was almost like speed and space. Oh, perfect. I mean, it couldn't we have, have been better. poster boy. It's like someone giving you chicken nuggets with ketchup. I mean, it mm-hmm. just doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> uh, at QB, black and white, it's going to be Shea Patterson. Um, I love Dylan McCaffrey. I've always been a Dylan McCaffrey fan. Um, you know, not to toot my own horn or anything, but Dylan McCaffrey, I was in on that recruitment. And, I, and you know, his mother is a fantastic human being. Uh, that whole family is fantastic. And, you know, he deserves all the shine that he's eventually going to get as the Michigan quarterback, which I think he will start next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Grant's had a huge skyrocket from Joe Milton, who has the ceiling of the earth. Yeah. Uh, he will get some time. I think we're going to see Dylan on Saturday at some point. Maybe early, maybe late, definitely late, but mm-hmm. maybe early. Um, I think he's faster than Shea. I think he's smarter than Shea uh, mm-hmm. as far as a football IQ goes, not from a pure mm-hmm. standpoint. And at six foot five, he offers the size that you need to yes. play on Sundays in a few years. But this offense was designed for a guy like Shea Patterson, who Dill McCaffrey could easily and will shine in this offense as well. But Shea Patterson was made for this. I think this is I think that's his mentality going into this year. I'm excited to see that. what he brings. Um, and then we get to running back, which we which we mentioned earlier. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, a guy who, you know, at, at this juncture on Thursday night, uh, is a guy that is expected to be the running back one heading into Saturday um, with a by-committee standpoint. So we'll, we'll go with a 1A. But I would say if I had to pick the guy who's the first one to get a snap on Saturday at the running back position, if it's a pass – True Wilson, he's the best pass blocker on the team. If it's a run, right there too. Yeah, and if it's a run, Zach Charbonnet. I mm-hmm. think Zach Charbonnet gives you the highest ceiling of a player. I think he gives you the best 
breakout opportunity. This is a guy who came into Michigan injured as an early enrollee as well. He was on crutches when he came into the school. And he was still able to recover from that and get to where he is now. And that is saying something. I think by game six, he's your no-doubt starter. Absolutely. And I think by week 10, he's a national conversation. Yeah, I think by that point, he's probably seeing 15 to 20 carries a game. Right. Um, so let's get into our, our breakouts. Uh, so we have a breakout. I chose Michael on Wayne. I touched on that. Go ahead and right. touch on yours. Uh, a big Ronnie Bell fan this year. Uh, whether he emerges in the slot or Sandra still, there's just so much opportunity for production coming from that position in Gaddis's system. I think there's a lot to like physically with both of them. Uh, you touched on the speed. I think it really paints the picture of speed and space well. And really with Shea and with his mobility – and the amount of plays that are just going to depend on football instinct. If you want to talk about an instinctive athlete, I think Ronnie Bell is your guy. And yeah, I mean, that's a great way to report, put it. These reports coming out of camp that he is—he hasn't taken a step; he's taken a leap. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really going to show on the field. Uh, rookie of the year. I mean, this could honestly go either way. I think mm-hmm. you—I think you're safe saying Mikey Sanders still. I think you're safe saying Zach Charbonnet. I agree with you there. Um, but I, you know, I'm going to stick with my storyline, which is a running back needs to emerge, and I'm going to keep that consistent and I'm going to go with Zach Charbonnet and again I know that's the sexy pick and the trendy pick and I try to stay away from that um but it's hard to ignore I right. remember this um this is a very ironic story and Sean Nua if you're listening and, and I wasn't supposed to say this I apologize but uh, I heard a while back and this was before Sean Nua was ever even considering Michigan or this was during the season okay so mm-hmm. this is when Zach Charbonnet committed to Michigan this yeah. was when Sean Nua was very firm in his his job at Arizona State I heard from a bird that, you know, the defensive line coach at Arizona State, which is all I more or less knew him as, uh-huh. considered Zach Charbonnet to be uh, the future best running back in college football. Wow. That was when he was at Arizona State. Oh, yeah. In the thick of things with Herm Edwards, with pretty mm-hmm. much no knowledge that Greg Madison was going to inevitably, eight months later, leave for Ohio State. Yeah. That's high praise. That's unbiased. That's from the oh, that's, yeah. He's a guy from the West Coast who was right by Zach Charbonnet and understood his talent. Okay. Um that's something, right? Absolutely. Now we get to this point, okay? And there's a lot of guys who, as true freshmen, don't live up to the hype, you know? And typically you know that in fall camp. Yeah. And again, I reiterate, came in on crutches, had to come back from an injury, had to recover, mm-hmm. had to prove himself in fall camp because he didn't really get the chance in spring. Right. And here we are. He's a guy who's positioned himself for, for RB1A, 1B. Absolutely. And, I, you know, that's my pick for rookie of the year. And I don't think that's a knock on True Wilson, and I don't think it's a knock on Christian Turner. I think it's a testament to just how mentally tough and physically tough and skilled and talented Charbonnet is. And pretty soon there's going to be a, a whole lot of examples why and a whole lot of proof that he'll put into the pudding on Saturdays. So did you uh, echo that sentiment for Rookie of the Year, or do you have a different one for me? No, I do. <laughs> I, I, I also think that Charbonnet is the trendy pick, and I think there's good reason why good reason, and yeah. uh at this point it, it's it's easy to see how saner still could put himself in that conversation but with all reports now and with everything that our sources are telling us coming out of fall camp charbonnet seems like he's he's eventually going to be the guy yeah it's at this point the best word is just you know quoting thanos it's inevitable zach yeah. charbonnet is inevitable uh Has biggest thanos ever been wrong <laughs> hopefully uh charbonnet snaps the finger after crossing the end zone <laughs> Uh, as far as the biggest question mark, and well, I'm going to get into that right here, is an offense for me. It's it's two things involving the tackles. Mm-hmm. It's for the first game. It's the health of John Runyon, right? And is that going to affect the season? Can he stay healthy? By all accounts, it is a very minor injury that should not have any lingering, so it shouldn't yeah. be a problem. 
But things have happened before. People have been short on injuries before, and they've been wrong. So my question is, you know, can he stay healthy? Can the can the tackle spot stay healthy? Um, and then speaking on both tackles going into these first two games, let's say he misses both first games, yep. is the youth of both tackles. Okay, you've got Jalen Mayfield, never started. Mm-hmm. And you've got Ryan Hayes, never started. Ryan Hayes, very raw. A yeah. guy who has a sky high ceiling due to his Big frame, dude, six foot eight tight end coming out of high school, right? But a guy who, in that regard, being you know new to the tackle position, has a long way to go, mm-hmm. right? For he he shouldn't be a college football playoffs team starting left tackle at this juncture, right? You know, but this is solely due to health, and you go to your next man up in, in all events. Um, he could go out there and shine. He could be a gamer. He could be a guy that absolutely shines in a game setting. Wouldn't it be Ed Warner's first? Right, exactly. And, you know, he's got a great coach uh, in Ed Warner to kind of mentor him and, and guide him to this. Um, so my biggest question mark would be the tackles and, and just the youth of the tackles mm-hmm. um, when John Running is not present. And when John Running is present, I think the biggest question mark still remains Jalen Mayfield. Can he hold that right spot? Because this offensive line is fantastic. These receivers are fantastic. Shea Patterson is efficient as they come. And the running back committee, as we believe, should be headlined by Zach Charbonnet midseason. Mm-hmm. And with Michigan not having a really elite opponent, I'm talking elite opponent, until Notre Dame. You know, I think Wisconsin's good. I don't think they're going to light the world on fire. Mm-hmm. I think Penn State's good. I don't think they're going to light the world on fire. Mm-hmm. I think Ian Book is incredible. I think Notre Dame is fantastic. And I think that's Michigan's biggest test of this season really? before Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I just want to see if, if Jalen Mayfield can solidify his hype, you've got zero question marks on the Michigan offense. Absolutely. Ohio yeah. State proved last year if you have a good offense – it literally doesn't matter how bad your defense is. You can win big games. Right. Sure, they lost to Purdue and Rondell Moore. You know, you, you, you're going to lose to those games. But which off Michigan's defense is not going to be that bad. Ohio State's Absolutely. defense was bad last year. Bad. They got 39 points the Saturday after Thanksgiving and still won the game by more than 20. So if Michigan's offense can equate something similar to that with a defense that's nowhere near as bad as that one, you right. know, that's why I, I question – the right tackle position because yeah. five solid offensive linemen, that's dangerous. Right. And Mayfield doesn't have to go out and, as you said, light the world on fire. He has to go out there and be serviceable. Right. Exactly. If he's not a liability and he can, you know, not be the weak link that drags the ship down, I think that the sky's the limit for this offense. And the way I see it is that the, the Stuber ACL injury, I think that puts a lot of pressure on Mayfield because I think whoever won that job would feel the pressure of the next guy breathing down their neck, or in the event of an injury, there wouldn't be that massive dent Mm -hmm. in the O-line's depth. So when you see a guy like Ryan Hayes, who could still be a year away from being a real impact tackle, maybe starting over there on that opposite side, maybe it puts some pressure on you, because now you know you have to hold your ground, or else, hey, you know, maybe this offensive line that is the most talented this program has seen in years, you know, maybe it's got the chance to crumble from the tackles, and really kind of a cave and a road on the outside, which mm-hmm. I think could neutralize a lot of what Ruiz, Bredesen, and Unwin you bring to the table on the inside. So moving on to MVP, we were consensus on this. Uh, mm-hmm. Shea Patterson, I mean, this again, yes. this offense was designed for him. Um, an MVP could easily be DPJ if he racks up the catches that he I should. Uh, it could, you know, hit, honestly, if Zach Charbonnet finds a way to, to – 
mm-hmm. you know, position himself early on, he could find a, a path to becoming this team's MVP. But honestly, it's hard to pick anybody besides Shea, um, knowing what we know right mm-hmm. now. There could be again a future with Zach Charbonnet, but knowing what we know, it's got to be DPJ, Nico Collins, or Shea Patterson. And with Shea Patterson yeah. and the speed and space, it's got to be him. Uh, the RPO system, so. And I think that's – I don't even think we need to give much reason. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll move on to defense. Um, again, black and white with cornerback one. It's going to be Levert Hill. The question is opposite yes. him. Uh, all sources echo that Vincent Gray is going to be that CB2 until right. Ambry Thomas is back and healthy. Ambry Thomas up to about 185, 188 pounds, which mm-hmm. is great. He was down a lot at one point due to mm-hmm. the illness that he's going through. Back in practice, uh, not just sourced. I mean, he tweeted that out. Let us know. He yep. is back in practice. Jim Harbaugh confirmed. Back in practice. Proud of it, too. That guy's counting the days yeah. he's back on the field. And I think the goal for him is Rutgers. I think they want him back by then. That's realistic for him. Um, so he'll probably miss the Wisconsin game. But, again, and I talked about this in a story on the Wolverine Lounge a couple of weeks ago, Michigan really doesn't face an elite passing defense until Notre Dame. Yeah. Say what you will about um, – Penn State's quarterback, Sean, Sean Clifford. Um, I don't don't see him as an elite passing. I don't see that offense as an elite passing he attack. Just named the starter last week. They don't have the weapons to really scare a defense. Um, as for now, I mean KJ Hamler is fantastic, right. but I think a whiteout scares a defense. Yeah, too. I think that's the biggest thing, and we'll get to that when that week comes. But as far as a, a cornerback two goes, Vincent Gray, um, a guy who three starter Rochester Adams, local kid, late pickup in that class. Yep, you know. Good for him. You know, they lose Miles Sims, who wasn't really doing much here and um, I guess was best to move on. They lose David Long. Yeah. I mean, that's I think that's the biggest loss this team had last year. Say yeah. what you want about Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich, Devin Bush. I think Devin Bush – well, let me backtrack. Devin Bush, easily the biggest loss. But David Long, <laughs> easily easily a 1B right. um, because David Long was, was great. He was a great cornerback. I think he was – maybe because he saw a lot of wide receiver twos, but I think he was – technically more sound than, than LaVert Hill. Uh, and I LeVert think that Hill, was overlooked by a lot of people. LaVert Hill, higher ceiling, David Long, right. never gave you a worry. You know, there was times, you know, you never really took a playoff. LaVert had a few head scratchers last year. David Long was more or less, mm-hmm. you know, always looking good on for the most part. Um, so moving on from that, you know, Vincent Gray, uh, you know, he's got to hold his own. But again, they benefit from not having to face an elite passing attack until right. week eight, which they should have Amory Thomas back. And, there is an opportunity for Vincent Gray to put himself ahead of Ambry Thomas because Ambry Thomas has to come back and prove himself again. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the flip side of the coin, if Vince Gray can't prove himself, right. who do you see behind him? Well, Jamon Green is a guy who um, came in from DeSoto, Texas, a football factory, yep. uh, a guy who has a projectable frame but is raw. Uh, the depth there is tough. The depth there is tough. If Vincent Gray can't get the job done, Michigan's in trouble. Because then mm-hmm. you put yourself in a spot to allow not-so-elite passing attacks become elite passing attacks. Yeah, and I think you could see that maybe with Jack Cohen at Wisconsin. Uh, we'll get there. We're, we have some Wisconsin dialogue coming up, but I think that, that definitely could be an early mm-hmm. red flag if it unfolds that way. Uh, the defensive line, I think, is worldly underlooked by the country, by the, na- the national media on the edges. I know that there's no longer a Sean Gary or a Chase Winovich there. There is a Quiddy Pay who I There's think is going pay. to be fantastic. I've always been a Quiddy Pay guy since he was in high school. Um, when they flipped him from Boston College, I thought, okay, this is big. Played fullback in high school, but didn't play yep. fullback like like a two-yard fullback. Played fullback like he ran the ball 50 yards for a touchdown three mm-hmm. different times his senior year. Phenomenal athlete. Incredible athlete, incredible IQ. Um, can read a tackle like a book. Um, I think he's going to 
absolutely shock people. I don't know if he's going to outdo Kenny Willekes this year. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's going to outdo the production of Chase Winovich last year. But if there's someone that will in the Big Ten, I think he has to be the guy you look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other side, Aiden Hutchinson, who we talked about, a guy mm-hmm. who's going to come on really strong, spent time at Tom Brady's facility yeah. in Boston. Yeah, he's, he's my breakout for this year at six foot six, two 278 pounds. He has the towering size to be that guy. If the footwork is there, he claims that the TB12 facility helped get him in some of the best shape of his life. He can bring the heat off the edge, force turnovers, cause havoc, put some big hits on quarterbacks, and you know really be that guy that Michigan just lost with Winovich and Gary NFL bound. And lest we forget that a guy named Mike Dana, who Pro Football Focus oh, yeah. absolutely adores, oh, yeah. uh, and, and the NFL draft is, is already eyeing, mm-hmm. is in that mix. I mean, is he behind Hutchinson and uh, Quiddy from a uh, you know a three-down standpoint, perhaps? But from a pass rush standpoint, he is as good as they come. Incredible pass rush grade last year at Central absolutely. Michigan. He had 42 defensive stops on the D-line, which is 14 more than the next highest defensive lineman in the MAC. When opponents tried throwing on the Chippewas, he had a 27% pass rush win rate. That is a guy who gets to the quarterback mm. nearly every single time he drops back. And he's a guy that, honestly, um, in this Middle Tennessee State game, he's seeing the same competition he saw last year. Yep. When he's in, this, when he's in the game Saturday, he's more than likely going to absolutely showcase his abilities. I think abilities. he's going to feast. Um, Even earlier this week, when uh, when Aiden Hutchinson was made available to the media, he said that Dan has been a big factor. He's added a lot of depth. I think he's done a whole lot more than that. And you know, creates at, at a, this point, creates something even more to fear, you know, mm-hmm. for this defense. Right. And then, and then lastly, Josh Uche, who's going to play a lot of linebacker and come off the edge, is also yep. going to come to the edge like he did last year. I mean, every single time you saw number six on the right or left side of the line. From the press box, the conversation was, you look at the next reporter and you say, hey, Josh Uche's in, so it's probably going to be a sack. Yep. Uh, Josh Uche's in, so it's probably going to be a sack. <laughs> and boom, Josh Uche got a sack. Yep. Didn't play a lot of downs, but when he was in there, he made an intense impact. The, the sack rate is... Unbelievable. It just jumps off the page. The interior is uh, the biggest, you know, while we're talking about it, the biggest question mark was cornerback two. If you had to pick a second one, it's the interior. Uh, I think yep. Carlo Kemp at the – I think Carlo Kemp and Mike Dwumfor are, are great. I think they're really good interior linemen. Um, if you're going to have a question mark and it'd be those two guys, that's probably the best – question mark you can have the question is the depth you know you lose a lot of guys um you know where do you go if you lose one of them is kind of the question um but I think the the biggest question for this defense outside of the past defense past Levert Hill is can they stop the run on the interior Mm -hmm. those two guys need to create pressure Carlo Kemp a captain um, they, for I like a reason. Donovan Jeter a lot too. Yeah, Donovan to Jeter. The run. Donovan Jeter is a guy who's really come on strong, and another guy like Tariq Black. Every time he comes on strong, gets set back by injury. Right. So you hope the best for him. You hope a healthy year here, and you hope that that healthy year provides a really big step for him to come in and, like you said, help and run support. Mm-hmm. Um, Carlo Kemp's a guy who has taken, I think, similar to a Ronnie Bell leap. I would say about half that leap last year and then half the rest of that leap this year to to put himself into a position to be a very good interior tackle. He's a grinder, and I think that the captaincy, as voted on by his teammates, is a a real recognition of that, something he appreciates, and just one more reason for him to keep putting his nose down and working hard. So in the event that Michigan does lose some depth there in the interior, I know you have two guys that you've identified behind uh, behind Dwan Ford and behind Carlo Kemp. Yeah, I think as part of this very strong freshman class, I think we could see Chris Hinton, a five-star recruit, 
and Mozzie Smith, a four-star on the field in the D-line. I mean, I think both of them show massive upside if they really, you know, they've now had a fall camp to do it, but if they adapt to the speed of college football and the, the real technical points, and I think Sean New is an excellent coach to help them do that, I think they could see the field if things end up going south in terms of injuries or performance. I mean, those are two guys that are really solid, solid fallback options despite youth. Right, and two guys who have had glowing fall camp reviews by all counts, especially yep. Chris Hinton, who has, as we spoke about, high expectations, not to mention a brother um, that's that's going to be off to Stanford should his commitment hold true. Mm-hmm. Um, going to be a fantastic guard. Um, so let's talk about, we, we touched on it a little bit, but the linebackers, uh, I think Josh Ross is, you know, he's not Devin Bush because nobody's Devin Bush. Um, yep. Devin Bush is an anomaly. But Josh Ross is very, very solid. I think he is more a, more of a true linebacker in that mm-hmm. uh, he's the he's got the size of the linebacker. Mm-hmm. I think uh, his pass coverage is going to be um, not an upgrade from Devin Bush, but it's not. I don't think you're going to see much of a drop off. Yeah. Really, the only place you're going to see a huge drop off is just how good of a blitzer and uh, how good of a tackler Devin Bush was. I mean, he was a he was, was basically a torpedo. Better. He was a human torpedo, and his target was identified by like a robot you know he he didn't need to do anything himself it was whatever that intangible that was inside of him that sixth sense that he had Um, but Josh Ross is very good and I think that he's going to be not just serviceable I think he's going to be a good player I think big 10 teams are going to fear Josh Ross another guy that PFF loves statistically absolutely and and PFF is a great identifier of you know who is actually good (laughs) you know because they're grading every single play yeah um and then past that Devin Gill uh, is a guy who you know showed signs of, eh, and showed signs of, yeah, you know there was good yep. and there was bad. Oh yeah, uh, he's got a he's he had a ways to go, um, but he's a guy who's had a year to grow. Um, I think he he is a drop off, you know, for this linebacking core. I think he could potentially be, you know, a, a question mark for them. But his speed is there, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he's going to track down guys. Um, there's just a, a couple of things that he needs to work on. I think you know he was a safety coming out, and he can transfer right. there. Uh, and his pass coverage should should adapt there. Yeah, I um, think similar to Mayfield, he's a guy that needs to be serviceable without being a liability. Right. Uh, I think that a drop off was inevitable. You can't expect him to come step up and fill that void immediately. But as long as he's not the reason, right? That they give and, up two touchdowns in a game. And I think that with the pressure Michigan likes to bring with their front seven, especially with their linebackers, um, he's a guy that I think has the closing speed to, to, to make that useful yep. uh, and to compensate for what he might lack in other areas. Yep. He's solid sideline to sideline. And I think Michigan's definitely going to adapt. As much as Don Brown says he's not going to change his scheme, which he's not, and they're going to be aggressive, they mm-hmm. will, um, he's going to adapt. That's yep. just the pure nature. Don't don't sleep on Cam McGroney. They're a guy who is a redshirt freshman, um, was a great guy out of high school, great recruit out of high school. He is extremely fast. He's a guy that could leap him uh, and could come in and spell uh, Josh Ross and uh, compliment him. And then Josh Uche will get a lot of run at linebacker standing oh, yeah. up off the edge. Yeah. Um, might play a little bit, uh, you know, might play a little bit here and there in pass coverage scenarios. Um, but he's a guy that is just extremely special when it comes to putting pressure yeah. on the quarterback. Yeah, he'll and, and be in just there for every the, blitz package. Um, <clears throat> and then past that, obviously, the Viper, Klee Hudson. Mm-hmm. Doesn't get much better than that, you know, at the Viper. It's who you want. Big hitter. Can he produce a year better than Jabril Peppers? Uh, arguably better than Jabril Peppers was in 2017. He had a fantastic year. Last year, the suspensions were, <laughs> you know, yeah, questionable, but, but, you know, difficult to deal with. He had Targeting you know, is a fuzzy rule. Right. Um, a guy who has had a fantastic camp. I mean, lights out. 
deserves all the hype he's going to get. You know, I think he is a just unbelievable leader, mm-hmm. a voice you need. You saw it in the Peach Bowl and the sidelines, mm-hmm. screaming at guys to wake up, um, and you need that. You need that. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Jordan Glasgow, who's fantastic depth to have in there, a guy who, a program guy, just like the other Glasgow's, mm-hmm. uh, who gets it, knows the playbook, you know, front to back. That uh, NFL pedigree is right. always a positive. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, and it's good to have. I mean, you can't have enough depth, especially at that position. Yeah. Um, and then out of the safeties where everything is academic with Josh Metellus, who should be spelled by Jameric Woods, a guy who I yep. like, honestly. Jameric Woods is a guy who can come in and lay the lumber. He's kind of like a Miles yeah. Killebrew for Lions mm-hmm. fans out there mm-hmm. where he can come in and just lay the lumber down, but he, he might not be sharp in the rest. You know, he, he's got ways to come on his coverage, but his hitting is just bar none. Um, oh, yeah. And then in the free, uh, you know, rumor has it, <laughs> uh, I got a source in on this today, actually, this morning. Uh, Hawkins could be a little banged up. Brad Hawkins, yep. great camp. I mean, fantastic camp. Oh, yeah. uh, you couldn't have asked for much more out of the free safety position. I think, uh, as we mentioned with how we said Charbonnet, you know, shooting up the depth chart isn't a, you know, that's not bad on True Wilson. That's not bad on Christian Turner. That's a compliment to Char- Zach Charbonnet. Yep. Uh, Brad Hawkins starting isn't bad for Dax Hill it's just great for Michigan to the I point agree. where they have a guy as talented as Dax Hill uh, with another guy proving he deserves to start more over him mm-hmm. so with a banged up Hawkins um, I don't think it's going to affect him more than a game if a game there is, is a high possibility he still starts and plays on Saturday right. I think that's to be determined I think in the event that he's rested uh, and this is just how I feel so take that as you will uh, if he's rested I'd would not be surprised, uh, and I would expect Dax Hill to start in his place should Brad Hawkins need the rest on Saturday. Um, right. Again, that's going to come up to that's going to come down to if Michigan wants to quote unquote push it or not with him, mm-hmm. or if it even comes to the point where it is something he could push. If it's mm-hmm. nothing, he's going to play. Right. right? If, if you're Brad Hawkins and you have a minor injury going on, do you feel Dax Hill kind of breathing down the back? That's of your another neck? subject, and I'm really glad you brought that up because that was my next question. How does Brad Hawkins feel about this situation? You know, oh. does this team has the most unbelievable training staff you're going to find in the country? There might be some as good, but there isn't any better. They're not going to push guys. They're they're honest about it, uh, and they're going to train their guys and keep their guys, you know, healthy. Right? We've mm-hmm. seen too many guys go down with minor injuries held out again like, in important games for that not to happen. You know, yeah. a la Jordan Lewis 2016 in a yep. couple of games. Um, but with Brad Hawkins, how do you feel? I mean, you got a five-star, number one safety, insane amount of hype, and you beat him out clean. You beat him out, you're going to be the starting safety, yep. and you come down with something minor. Middle Tennessee State is a game where Dax Hill can absolutely light the world on fire. I yep. firmly believe that Don Brown, Chris Partridge, and Jim Harbaugh leave nothing up to the fans. Everything yep. they do is internal. Every decision they make is internal. However, As professional as it gets. Yeah. However, if Dax Hill comes in and does Dax Hill things in that game, oh yeah. It's going to be hard to keep him out in the next game, oh, no yeah, matter how yeah, good or bad Brad Hawkins is. If the film is there, you're going to have a one of the biggest fan bases in the country clamoring mm-hmm. to see him out on the field. And quite frankly, it'll be justified by that right. point if he goes in and you know has a, a stunning pick six, forces mm-hmm. two fumbles, racks up eight tackles, deflects four pass. Like if this kid has the kind of game that he can have against a new Middle Tennessee quarterback. Yeah, a guy who was not the starter last year. Yeah, <laughs> was oh, not yeah. the and the coach's kid started last year. Yeah. So you see yeah, how acquainted that guy was. Yeah. Uh huh. So uh, let's let's go to our uh, our picks here for our, you know quote unquote awards. 
uh, for breakout. I think it's pretty obvious who I'm going to pick for breakout. Uh, I don't even know if you would call us a breakout. He had a good year last year. He, uh-huh. I guess you could say he broke out last year in a way, but Quiddy Pay, I think, is going to break out to new heights this year. Yes. I think, again, as I said earlier, let me reiterate, a Big Ten player, the defensive player of the year candidate at that line, I think he's going to wreak havoc. And if it's not him, it's Mike Dana who's going to wreak havoc in the pass rush. Yes. Uh, on the topic of breakout, I praised him earlier, but big Aiden Hutchinson fan. Mm-hmm. I think that size, strength, instinct, the football pedigree, it's really all there with this kid. He's still young. This right. is going to be his second year with the program, but if he can put it all together, he is going to take a leap. And I think that it's going to be really, really fun to watch him go after quarterbacks. And this will be a great testimonial for TB12. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> business, yeah. Will, business will improve. Yeah. Uh, and I'm the rookie of the year. Uh, you know, and I didn't even—I didn't want to make this a specific freshman uh, award. I wanted to make this something of a guy who wasn't exactly like a pure starter last year. So mm-hmm. for rookie of the year, I went with Josh Ross. Um, you could say Mike Dana here because he yep. technically is a first-year guy from Michigan, but he's yep. obviously established himself. Um, but I went with Josh Ross just because I think he's a guy who is now firmly in the middle of this defense. He's going to be the guy who. Everybody looks upon. I know Josh Metellus uh, and Kalik Hudson are going to be the, the voices, kind of the – I think those two are going to be kind of like what Devin Bush was last year as far as commanding the defense and, and calling out the formation. And that's just a part of the job as a strong safety as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Josh Ross is integral, and mm-hmm. I think he's going to prove why he's paramount to this defense because of his talent. So uh, that's my rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. And with mine, as much as I love Brad Hawkins, I, I do think that – Dax Hill is going to have a full-time role on this defense before the season ends. The kid is too talented to keep off the field. Mm -hmm. You don't know if he's going to be here for four years at Michigan. He's one of those guys who could be eyeing the league after three. It's obviously a long way away, but the raw talent shows on the film. Mm -hmm. There is... Uh, his highlight tape from high school is just fireworks. Yeah, absolutely. It's unbelievable to watch. And, you know, if he comes in and displays that talent at Michigan... You cannot have that guy on the sidelines mm-hmm. as much as, and don't get me wrong, Brad Hawkins is an above average free safety, I think. I think with everything we've been hearing about him, I mean, the the common term that we've heard is that his stock is on the rise. Right. There's no bad option. And guess what? If Brad Hawkins keeps a firm grasp on that job. Fantastic. He's my, <laughs> he, he, he's my rookie of the year. Yeah, there you he's go. He's didn't play very much last year who's going to have a massive impact on this defense if he stays on the field and... Quite frankly, I, I don't think that free safety is a worry. If anything, mm. I think it evolves into a strength by the end of the year. Uh, biggest question mark for me, and I think this is obvious, and yep. again, I hate to go with the trendy pick here, but it's I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's quarterback two. It's figuring out that, that second corner. It's figuring out that pass defense overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, What can it be without David Long? Uh, without Ambry Thomas for the first few games, possibly yeah. more, because you never know. You know, a, yeah. a, a hopeful return by Rutgers is just that a hopeful oh, return um so quarterback two is my biggest question mark i think vincent gray has the ability to to be like like what we've said with uh Devin gill and like what we said with jalen mayfield he's got to be serviceable right he doesn't yep. have to light the world on fire he has to be serviceable but he's yes. gonna see guys in this game specifically which we'll get to a, a twitchy guy yep. um you know and he's gonna see athletic guys earlier in the year kj hamler might be a guy that um, let's say Levert doesn't shadow him all game. Mm-hmm. You know he's going to see some guys that are going to challenge him if Ambry Thomas can't get healthy. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the event that he does, 
then this is his opportunity to cement himself as the cornerback too. So my biggest question mark oh, yeah. is, can he capitalize on this opportunity and keep it, or is cornerback to a liability until Ambry Thomas is returned? Mm-hmm. So that's my biggest question there. And What's yours? That liability that you just touched on at cornerback too, that could get a whole lot worse if anything yep. happens to Vince Gray. I mean, we've heard mixed reviews on JKP, Jalen Kelly-Powell. Uh, you got Who switched Green, from safety to right, corner. And you've got Green on the opposite side. These are two guys who aren't particularly battle-tested and mm-hmm. two guys who aren't necessarily shining at fall camp. Uh, I think that if either of those two guys find themselves in a full-time role, you could be looking at trouble in Madison. You could be looking at trouble next Saturday against Army. And, you know, this all begs the question, if that does happen and if there are big enough question marks, does Dax Hill find himself in a cornerback two role rather than safety right off the bat? Mm-hmm. Because he's a heck of a press corner and he can play that role uh, for them, if need be, I think they want to stick him at safety because that's his inevitable role on this team. They want him to learn and grow with the position, and the techniques, and the game experience. I think practice is a, a far cry from a real game Correct. rep in front of 110,000 people. Is why fall camp reports are always almost so similar to big spring ball games. Oh, yeah. Um, so moving on from that, we go to our next segment, Eyes on the Enemy. You can always read this on the Wolverine Lounge every Friday where we speak about uh, who Michigan is about to face on the gridiron on that Saturday. Uh, of course, we've gone over it. Uh, Middle Tennessee State is the opponent. Uh, won the Conference USA last year. Yep. Jim Harbaugh is never going to discredit an opponent that isn't Ohio State or Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Uh, that isn't a head coach that's gone after him, you know, <laughs> yeah. randomly. Yeah. Uh, a Luke Fickle. Um, however, this team is – it's not your everyday opener, okay? It's yeah. not uh, yeah, Hawaii this... 2016. It's certainly not Notre Dame 2018. <laughs> I'll, mm-hmm. tell you, I'll tell you that. It's a lot easier than, than last year. Um, but it's um, it's a team that, that could sneak up. They have some playmakers. Yeah. And I know you've got uh, the 411 and all of that. Yeah, this is not your average season opening non-conference walkover. This is a legitimate program, a respectable program, that has appeared in bowl games in five out of the last six years. Over the last four years, they've played 11 Power 5 opponents. These guys know what it's like to be in the spotlight, and they know what, it like, they know what it's like to be on the wrong side of the spotlight. They've entered plenty of games as heavy underdogs. Played Kentucky last year. They played Georgia last year. Uh, coaching is not an issue for them. Rick Stockstill is in his 14th year. He's definitely a, a veteran at the helm of the program. He knows the game well. He played quarterback at, uh, at Florida State in his college days. And then on that offense, you have senior slot man Ty Lee. This is a guy who had 883 yards out of the slot last season, over 300 more than the next highest guy on the team. He's just five foot nine, but his speed and agility have made him really a, a national weapon. I mean, this is a guy who put up seven receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown against Kentucky. They only lost that game by 11 points. Kentucky was a great team. So definitely a, a place where you can exploit Middle Tennessee State is their offensive line. They, uh, they're replacing three starters from a group that already ranked outside the top 100 in sack rate last season. Uh, Brandon touched on it earlier, but they do bring back a solid linebacking core. That's uh, definitely something to keep an eye on if you're Michigan. But uh, their, their pass defense is rough. That's, that's definitely a place where Shea can have a day. Yeah, and touching on the just what each team can do to each other, um, and again, uh, more or less echoing what you said, Michigan can exploit the pass defense in Middle Tennessee State just because Michigan's receivers, like they will be with most of the opponents on the schedule, are going to outman a lot of these corners. Not only are they big, but they're fast. Not only are they 
got your hands. They're strong. Yeah. Um, and that they're route running stuff to keep. And up they're with. smart. You yeah. know, they are smart guys. Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Tariq Black. They have been waiting on this offense to throw them the ball. I know these guys. I covered them for years. I covered Donovan Peoples-Jones for the better part of five mm-hmm. years. Yep. Covered uh, Tariq Black for the better part of two. Same for Nico Collins when Michigan was recruiting them. These are guys who want the ball thrown to them. They are hungry for it. They do not want – you know, they're going to do anything for the team. All great teammates. Yeah. They're all for run blocking. They're all for running the complicated routes they had to run for their first three years on campus. <laughs> But these guys are ready for this offense. Oh, you know, yeah. this was what this isn't just what Shea Patterson was made for. This is what those receivers, you know, are made to do in this offense. And and they're ready for that. And I think that right off the bat they get a, a nice pass defense to go against to really run wild. Um and again, the offensive line. You know, the Middle Tennessee lost what was it, three starters three on that starters. offensive line. On an already rather weak right, offensive right. line. That, they that allowed a- they allowed a hundred they were hundred and eleventh in sacks allowed last year out of 130 teams, and they're facing, we just named so, two defensive ends as oh our yeah. breakout players. So, oh, yeah, they um, could be under brutal pressure. On Michigan Saturday. always has a fantastic defensive line. It's getting revamped under Sean Newell right now. Um, Don Brown is always, always, always preaching pressure, Dr. and this Blitz. team does not know how to protect it. So yeah. uh, those are the explosions they can make. As far and as what Middle Tennessee State can do, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, with Ty Lee, but I think overall this pass defense will be challenged off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um not only on the edges, but we saw it last year across the middle. Can Michigan guard the crossing crowd? Yeah. I'm sure they're going to see some against this team uh, early and often. Why not? Okay. Um, so we'll see We'll see where that goes. And then lastly, Michigan's young tackles. You know, yep. you're going to see, uh, barring a healthy day or two where John Runyon is cleared, they're probably going to see Ryan Hayes and Jalen Mayfield on the tackle spots. Two guys who have never started before. Under yeah. the lights, first game of the year. Brand new bookends. I mean, I don't care who you're playing or what they're ranked or who they are. That's a challenge. That is like, hey, here yeah. you go. Like, that is the Sharks. Yeah. That is being fed to the Sharks. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to put a lot more pressure on Shea, and, which leads me into my key for the game. Michigan's got to take care of the football. Last year, Middle Tennessee State was 7-0 and in the regular season when it forced two or more turnovers. Michigan can't take care of the ball, and... Maybe Shea makes a poor read under pressure. A read option goes wrong, and it ends up being uh, being six points the other way for the Blue Raiders. I think you could be looking at trouble early, and I think that they're going to bring pressure early because they know that those tackles could be the weak spots. So uh, MS- MTSU loves to blitz. That is how they force turnovers, and I think Shea's going to be under pressure. All right, so uh, before we go into predictions and the final words uh, on this game and on this, this Friday before game day, <laughs> Uh, which is a great feeling, you know. You, if you're listening at home, and then you're a diehard Michigan fan, I know you've been been waiting for this. But before we get there, let's uh, let's hail it to the spread. This is one let's of my it. one of my favorite segments uh, that we're going to be doing every week, where we look over three games nationally, uh, three uh, spreads, and we're gonna let you know what we would do if uh, if we were betting men. So let's look at our first game. We have Oregon and Auburn in Jerry World. This is a neutral site game yep. where the Cowboys play Oregon. Uh, is a three and a half point dog. Um, the Ducks have Justin Herbert, a guy who's going to be a professional, oh, yeah. uh, probably a top five, top ten pick. He'll could probably, be a Heisman candidate. Come could three be a Heisman candidate. Um, Oregon returns him along with a few other weapons. The biggest guy that they get though is Kayvon Thibodeau, number one recruit in the yeah. country last year. Mm-hmm. Um, thought to be an instant impact guy off the edge. Auburn returns an unbelievable front seven, including Derek Brown, who's going to be an NFL player. Oh yeah. Uh, they return. 
all of their front seven, which is going to be menacing, and some believe it to be the best in the country. Got on some top, monsters on that front four, yeah. especially. On top of that, their offensive line is thought to be a top ten unit in the country yeah. uh, when it comes to offensive line. But here's where things get tricky for them. Bo Nix named the starter. He's a true mm-hmm. freshman, a lot of talent. Starting a true freshman is risky at any position. Starting a true freshman at quarterback is a whole other ball game yeah. at Jerry World. Not everyone's under Trevor the lights. <laughs> national spotlight game. Auburn versus Oregon. Rematch of the 2011 BCS National Championship mm-hmm. game. Uh, I like the Ducks here as three and a half point dogs. I, I like always them to win the game outright. Money line will pay you in this one. Take Daniel's money line. I'll take the points. He'll take the line. Uh, let's move on to the next one. We're going to South Florida where the Bulls are hosting Wisconsin. Wisconsin, 11.5-point favorites in this one. Jonathan Taylor uh, has an opportunity to be a Heisman candidate this year. Yep. Um, Jack Cohn named the starter. You're a little familiar with him. Yeah, I uh, I grew up on Long Island in New York. I went to high school about a half hour away from Jack Cohn. He's a Save Hill kid. I'm from Port Washington. He lit Long Island on fire. Guy torched the rest of the island. But uh, he's a guy who hasn't found much success at the college level yet. So uh, I think this is going to be a, a pretty telling game for him. They are traveling to UCF, this, mm-hmm. uh, USF. This is not in Madison. I think that's already a setback right there. And then Charlie uh, Strong is no slouch on the other side as an X and O's right. guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, South I, Florida had an unbelievably electric offense last year. They yes. lit the scoreboard on fire like most Florida teams yep. that <laughs> are to be the, the regional teams, CF, SF, yep. not Florida State. Right. Uh, so here's the thing. If you really want the most guaranteed bet in this game, I would go with the over 57 and a half. I just mm-hmm. think this game's points are going to go on fire, which is rare for a Wisconsin game, I know. And I think that's why uh, this total is such a sexy pick to go under. But believe me, the South Florida offense, uh, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, South Florida gives up a lot of points. Yeah. This game screams over. Um, so I would go with the over, but if I had to pick the spread, I like Wisconsin by 14, so I think they cover yep. the 11 and a half. Uh, okay. I don't think they win by much. I think it's a good game, especially on the road. But I think Wisconsin yep. wins outright by 14, covers okay. the 11 and a half point spread. Mm-hmm. How many rushing yards for Jonathan Taylor? Oof, you'd have to think around 220. You, yeah, I was gonna say I, I'd go over 200. Yeah, I think I, with that's Cohen, probably a prop too. So if yeah. you want another one, right? Yeah, you know. yeah. With with Cohen debuting on the road, I think they force feed Taylor. I think we're seeing like. Third and 14 draw plays. Mm-hmm. Lastly, we head over to the West Coast where Stanford hosts uh, the Big Ten's Northwestern Wildcats. Brainiac Bowl. Yeah, right, exactly. This is the nerd uh, nerd central over here. Mm-hmm. So if, if you if you don't want to come to the uh, Michigan-Northwestern game from last year, which was every year seems to be the nerd bowl of the Big Ten, yep. this is it in the national <laughs> from the national yeah, perspective. Yeah. And I, I like the, the lower acceptance rate in this game. I like K.J. Costello <laughs> and Stanford. Oh, I love K.J. Costello in this game. I think Stanford wins by 20-plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy. Six and a half point right, spread. Right. It's free money. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Northwestern is yet to name a starting quarterback. Even though they, they have will... a five-star Clemson transfer. Right. And, if you uh, haven't won it by now, when are you going to win it, Hunter Johnson? And it, it's tough to win it on the road in Palo Alto when you haven't done it in your own practice facility. And lastly, Stanford. They win every game in the trenches. Yep. I mean, Walker Little is a phenomenal left tackle over there. Former number one left tackle by 24-7 sports. Texas mm-hmm. kid. Uh, who said no to the Horns and said yes to Stanford because he wanted to go for his education. Oh, yeah. Uh, how many times has Stanford pulled that off? A lot. David Shaw, great Jim coach. Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh pundit. Um, or <laughs> I should say Jim Jim Harbaugh predecessor. Uh, 
I love Kai J. Costello in this game. I really do. I, do I think he lights the world on fire in this game. I think Northwestern is not that good this year. Not to mention Northwestern is remarkably bad in September. Lost <laughs> at, uh, I believe well, they lost to Akron last year in September. They ended up winning the Big Ten West. Lost to Akron. So I cannot say what they'll do later in the year, but I can tell you that in September they are never that good. Right. And they're going to have to play their best game to beat Stanford on the road yeah. in California. Yeah. And I, I think it's the start of a good year for Stanford in the Pac-12. Yeah. Absolutely. No no Bryce love, but more success is what I'm expecting. So before we finish up, we're going to go to our final words, our final segment. We'll do this every week. We'll wrap up with three keys to the game, our players of the game on each side of the ball, and our final score. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've said a lot, as is. Uh, I'll let you go to your three keys. We'll make it quick and let you guys get to the excitement of tomorrow. Yeah, uh, I'm going to reiterate a few things here for the, the three keys. I definitely want to highlight some stuff and underscore what I think is most important. First and foremost, take care of the football. If you want to hang 50, you're not going to do it by turning the ball over four times. Uh, I mentioned the stat about the Blue Raiders being 7-0 and in the regular season last year. When they do force two turnovers, uh, I think that Shea could throw two picks and get away with it. Mm-hmm. Michigan could still win by double digits. Which seems to be the but, theme of this offense. Right, but I mean, even if you're playing on the, the reckless end, you're going to have the jitters of the first game of the season. doesn't matter who you're playing could bring in Clemson, or you could bring in, you know, the Florida A&M. So, uh, and a I, game against Hawaii in 2016, exactly. Michigan won 63-3. The first pass of the game by Wilton Spitt was intercepted on the other side of the field. Oh, yeah. So just for reference on how a game can go like this. Oh, yeah, and I, I think staying with Shea, the second read is going to be to make good reads on the RPO. The Blue Raiders are going to blitz. That's an open secret. Got to be able to handle the pressure. Don't turn the ball over there. Make a good read. And, uh... If you're going to be in the red zone, then score. Punch it in. Yeah. <laughs> then score. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think settling for field goals is going to going to get you that half century mark or maybe to sixty points. This is this is a game that Michigan wants to come out and make the Josh Gaddis right. statement. I think if they go out and win by two touchdowns, I think a lot of fans leave the big house feeling disappointed. Unless the score is sixty five to forty two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, then the uh, questions shift over to the defense, and uh, everybody's happy with Josh. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So my three keys are pretty simple, and I this is. I think this is a given, but it's still got to be said. They have to rush and pressure and be as aggressive as they can on defense because this offensive line, as we mentioned, 111th in sacks allowed last year. Uh, Second, throw the ball. Throw it a lot. Throw the ball. uh, Let it loose. Their pass defense is not good. They gave up a lot of points last year uh, against teams like this. Um, And then this one kind of piggybacks off of that, but my third key is to work quick. Don't let your tackles get beat. Your guys are young. Ryan Hayes is young. Middle Tennessee, although lesser, likes to pressure, and that can be something that's detrimental. Causes turnovers, ends drives early, hurts guys. You know, you, you want right. to protect your quarterback as much as you can in the first yeah. game and protect your guys, in you know, just in general in the first game. Um, so work quick, meaning get rid of the ball fast. And I know that that's what this whole offense is designed around is RPO and quick plays and flick it across the middle, hand it off, or keep it. Okay, so they're probably going to work quick whether I tell them to or not. Right. However, I think it's pretty paramount that they do just to avoid the pressure from the young tackles. They could go out there and light the world on fire and have a fantastic game, you know, Ryan Hayes and Jalen Mayfield. I'm not saying that that's a foregone conclusion that they're going to be bad. Um, But, again, you like Mm -hmm. to do those things from a young player standpoint. As far as players of the games go, 
my offensive player of the game is going to be, and, and I went back and forth on this, uh, I'm going to go with Nico Collins. I think he's a man. I think he's a man, man, man. Yeah. And I'll say this every day of the week. I will admit it. I was wrong about Nico Collins. Yeah. Um, I liked him in the class. Uh, I just thought it was a little too busy of a class. Now you see why they took him. And now you see why it worked out. Oh, yeah. He was a late pickup. He was almost a Georgia commit. He was almost an Alabama commit. Turns out to be a Michigan commit. Comes here. He didn't – I don't think he dropped the ball last year, maybe once. But yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I don't recall him dropping him and it. Peoples-Jones had the two lowest drop rates in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, what more can you ask for? Yeah. Um, and I think Nico Collins, this is a mismatch dream for him. It doesn't mm-hmm. get much bigger of a mismatch than this one against these uh, Middle Tennessee. Right. Uh, and I think where – Nico has a massive advantage in size. I think DPJ has a massive massive advantage in speed, and he right. is going to be my player of the game. Uh, I think a lot of people would go with Shea here, but I'm not really sure how much he's going to play if the game is over right. by halftime. I think we could see a lot of Dylan, maybe even some Joe in the second half mm-hmm. if they're up 30 to 40 points. Uh, regardless, I think DPJ goes out and puts on a show. This is a guy who's been cooped up for months now with the, mm-hmm. the, the strain of the soft tissue injury and Really just a lot, a lot of things that have amounted to the summer mist and yeah. missed the spring. And, like, this is a guy who's been itching to get on the field, big competitor, mm-hmm. loves the game. He's going to go out there and put on a show. Defensively on the MVP side, I, I was really close to going with two guys, but I went with a different one. I wanted to go with Mike Dana because I think this is a game mm-hmm. where he can pressure the quarterback in his time, but I'm not yep. sure on the snap count he's going to get off the bat. Right. Uh, Metellus is a guy that I was thinking about going with because he's famous for takeaways, and yes. I think this is a game where he could do something like that once or twice. But I'm going with my guy. I'm sticking with my good. I've said it all day. Quiddy Pay. I think Quiddy Pay is a guy that's going to feast all year. I think this is the first time we see it. Yep. Uh, could definitely see that. Uh, whereas you're going with the pass rusher, I'm going to go with Lavert Hill. I think he is going to feast on the rookie quarterback, which the Blue Raiders are still yet to name. Right. They could. It's Thursday. That's it, not it, good. Yeah. So I think if you're Lavert Hill, taking the hardball you route, you are. Yeah, you are salivating at the mouth, no matter which quarterback trots out on the field for the opening drive. Honestly, I, I could see him with a multi-turnover game. I could mm-hmm. see him taking the ball two to three times. So lastly, before we go, we got our final score predictions real quick. Throw it at me, Daniel. We know 42 to 10. I think Michigan wins it. I think Middle Tennessee State is going to try to get the ball to Ty Lee whenever possible. Whether Michigan combats that by gluing Lavert Hill to him or rotating a safety down, you know, there's still a real chance that he breaks free for a play and, you know, takes you to the house from 60, 70 yards deep. Uh, or maybe Middle Tennessee really puts together a really good drive. They take it down the field and score. Maybe a, a garbage time field goal, but I think Michigan goes out and does Gaddis things on offense. We have seen what Penn State did with Mike Kosicki. We saw what Alabama did with Irv Smith. I like Michigan's tight ends in this game. I think McKeon is a great blocker. Eubanks has shown a lot of promise as a pass catcher. And with the RPO in place, they could be a quick flick over the middle. They could work deep down the field. I think with the amount of tension on the wide receivers, maybe it's a big tight end game to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know how much Gaddis loves that position, and you know, I'll, I'll just finish with a uh, hashtag big speed in space. <laughs> uh, we saw James Prochet from SMU have a big game last year against Michigan. Two yep. touchdown catches and a lot of receptions, a lot of yards. Proved mm-hmm. to be one of the better receivers in the country. He's already being discussed as one of those again this year. Oh, yeah. I think Ty Lee can put up a showcase this year, uh, or I'm sorry, in this game, uh, if he can match up against, you know, one of Michigan's cornerback twos, you know, in, in their really their first test, especially in the second half when right. you would expect for their first. Uh, their first unit to kind of 
get away a little bit. They don't want to risk any injuries in a big game. Especially um, with the, the little bang-ups right now. Right. And I think Michigan lets it loose in this game. I don't think they hold anything back. I think they want to showcase what they're going to be this year. Uh, I think the tradition of hardball kind of, quote-unquote, keeping it under the under the blanket for the first six weeks until they face a big test and keeping the playbook shut, I think they're like, hey, here's what we're going to do. Try and stop it. So I think Middle Tennessee State's going to end up with I'm going to go with 14 points. They scored two touchdowns and miss a field mm-hmm. goal. I think that they move the ball. I think they have about 250 yards of offense. Like, I don't okay. think they're going to struggle a whole lot. I don't like this Michigan defense as much as I've liked it in the past. I still think it's a top 30 unit, but I don't think it's you know going to be an unbelievable brick wall by any means. Right. But uh, I'll take the offense in this game putting up 65. So 65 to 14 is going to be my final. Wolverines win it in Ann Arbor at night. Uh, make sure you drive home safe from the game. If you're listening to this in the car, drive home safe again. Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in to the pilot episode of Hail to the Podcast. So keep in mind, tell your friends that if you hail to the victors, then that probably means you'll hail to the podcast. We'll see you guys next Friday. Enjoy the game.